How's it going? This is Business Blues and Booze back for a special edition podcast. I'm Jordan. Yeah, I'm Lewis. So today we got some real good stories for you. Lewis, want to take it away? Yeah, so we're going to start today with talking about Peacock, the new Peacock. streaming service. Uh, and we're going to talk about it in relation to HBO Max and Quibi, what they're doing right, what they're doing wrong, our experiences, and just a whole rehash of the streaming industry that we love talking about. Love it, love it, love it. So Peacock is releasing in basically three different tier platforms, similar to you know pretty much what you'd expect out of a streaming service. So Peacock, though, is different in that they're releasing a free version with ads, which, I mean, that is, that is okay. I mean, personally, adding another subscription service, I would rather add it for free, try it out. If the ads really yeah. make me upset, then I would rather pay for no ads. But starting very off on the ads. premium, very upsetting <laughs> ads, yeah. Like, look at Spotify. Most people probably started with Spotify having the freemium version where you got to use it with ads. And then they probably were like, you know what, I'm ready to go to the premium version. In my opinion, I think that is probably one of the better moves in the streaming music industry and is something that has been a very controlled market. There are only a few streaming services that are at least noteworthy. I mean, you got Tidal, Apple Music, Spotify, and then you have your, I, I guess it counts as streaming, um, would be SoundCloud, but that is a different, they're going for a different type of market there. So it doesn't necessarily yeah. fall under they that still have that option comp competition. They yes, have like they a do. SoundCloud plus plus pro or pro plus or something where you can pay 10 bucks and you can get regular music that wasn't made by like some guy in his garage. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, they, they have that, but they're that's not their main target. Yeah. Oh, and, and, and YouTube music. Yeah. And YouTube music and Pandora. Pandora is interesting because Pandora and Sirius XM merged. So, yeah. and I've always, I've always believed in this and it's not possible because of a monopoly situation because it would only really be two main uh streaming services because title is, a, is a, a minority third but if we look at spotify which is the main they really push into podcasts that was awesome apple music is kind of i would say one of the best all around i prefer spotify but i know people who use apple music are pretty happy but i always thought back in the day that um, Spotify should have bought Pandora and really just upped up on radio because there are times when like you get in your car or you don't know what you want to listen to, but you know, generally a theme or a genre or a type. And you know, that's what you want to kind of go to. You don't want to have to get in and search and then go to, Oh, I want to listen to Drake's new song. Obviously that is, if you're looking for that, it's good. But if you just want to hear music, you pretty much just go in and hit shuffle. And if they, they're so good on their algorithms that if they had adopted something like Pandora, which does have that premium, like you were saying, Lewis, so you don't have mm -hmm. to just do radio. Now you can do, um, you can look up an artist and search for a specific song, but it's like, they're not like one, all, all the three or all the main streaming services are good at one thing, but not everything, you know? Yeah. So and, that's, and that's Spotify what defines close. their competing too, is that there's not a best one. Exactly. I mean, maybe people will say there's a the best one, but like there is one thing like title i have that now because they had a good deal this summer it was like four dollars total for four months it was like okay. that's a great deal <laughs> yeah I'll try it so yeah. Like, sure um so I, I started that in like april or may or something and the quality of it is very good i don't like the interface as much but i think the sound of the music is fantastic honestly that's I think what they that always pushed that interface is probably what means more than features is how easy is it for you to use? And that's what Apple Music is probably taking the lead on is their interface. Yeah. Spotify is very close. I might go close. back to them. Apple, I might go Music. Back to Apple Music, yeah. I think that's a pretty common thing, especially um, 
you know, Apple was kind of pushing that all inclusive package. And obviously with Apple, if you have, if you're in the Apple ecosystem, it works the best. Now with Apple, if we're getting back to streaming, you know, the streaming service is kind of the same way that the music industry has gone. They started off as you had to buy them or you could rent them or something. Well, you couldn't rent the music, but you could buy the music or you could go and buy a physical CD movie industry. You could go buy a physical movie or now you can buy or rent a movie or go see it in the movies, obviously. But now what we're seeing with streaming as it's gone away from cable. So if you want to watch a movie now, you have to pretty much, like everyone is so exclusive, you pretty much have to have multiple streaming services in order to actually have a wide variety of movies, which as we said, with the streaming industry for music, it's having the same problem in the streaming industry for TV and movies is that they're good at one thing, but they're not necessarily good at another. So as we mentioned before, there's HBO Max, Quibi, and Peacock. So Peacock has a pretty good interface. I wouldn't say it's really any different. It doesn't stand out. It's not easier or harder to use than- I, th- I like, I think it actually looks like Quibi. I, I agree. I, I, I was very surprised. I didn't realize that was the vibe they were going for. And they have their top things for you to know. So it's, it's, they're focusing on news, from NBC News from today, a little bit from CNBC and MSNBC, but mostly from NBC News and today. Mm-hmm. Um, they have that. They're like today. The headline was um, Representative John Lewis died. So that was one of the things they talked about. They have a lot of information about him. Um, and then they have you can go to his channels. They have channels from all of NBC's properties. So they have a constant SNL channel, which is always fun to watch. That's really I know cool. we were talking I, about I enjoy that. that. Yeah, I watched like four in a row the other day. It's yeah. one of those things where I can't really binge too many in a row because I'm like, all right. Are you saying like, SNL know, or Peacock in general? SNL. Just okay. SNL in general. So like as a function on the app, you can watch as many in a row as you want. It's a constant channel, um, which is a strategy that like Pluto TV and uh, Stir uses. Um, those are two free, entirely free cable alternatives with a lot of channels, but they have their own specific channels. They don't have a lot of your main paid cable. It's like, oh, we'll have Mystery Science Theater marathons. We have a variation of CBS News, a free version of all these other news sources, but not the paid cable stuff you would get. Exactly. But that's exactly, it's almost exactly the same situation that we're seeing within the music industry. You know, it's like, oh, okay, you can get some content and then some artists, which is the same as the, um, oh, what would they be called? Like the production companies that put out movies and TV shows like NBC. We're seeing that now they're going exclusive, which if you guys can remember, Kanye West, Taylor Swift, Beyonce, were all some major players who had exclusive deals in the music streaming service. And as that, and that, that business had to kind of mature and realize that for the artist, it's not better. You're not getting as much money as you need for the production company, the recording studios, you're not getting as much money because you're not putting it out to as many people. You know, they get paid per listen. So if they're not getting as many listens, they might hit a better deal in the short term, but in the long term, it's actually worse to limit yourself. Now we have, we are not at that maturity in the streaming movie media we'll say the streaming media industry in terms of uh like movies and and tv and stuff and tv shows and all that stuff so that that is still at that growth phase right now so we're seeing that they are now trying to strip themselves into different categories and so now it's going by the production companies now we're seeing nbc peacock hbo max Mm -hmm. before you could access there was a long time ago but you could actually access hbo shows on netflix and it was a time where hulu was free. Oh um, my! I only remember that. It was a long time ago. It wasn't yeah, all, but I you could access that. some. 
You could access some movies in the yeah. very beginning. Yeah. Hulu, you could watch. I remember watching South Park on Hulu for free. There would be like th- yeah, Hulu. Yeah, Peacock is doing the old Hulu model now. Exactly, but I personally think that maybe if it didn't work back then for Hulu, it might not have been the right time. Whatever their economic de- like determine was, um, mm-hmm. it is definitely the right choice now because there are so many variables and and something that isn't always predictable is consumer behavior. So something like Quibi sounds amazing. It's like, oh, it's great. It's great short episodes. It's made for my phone. I can watch it on the subway. I can watch it when I only have, you know, up to 15 minutes to watch an episode. In reality, yeah. it had a major flop. So in the interaction with Peacock, yeah. it's we're seeing that it's actually from a first look, just like we said Quibi looked great on a first look. But as of right now, Peacock is looking like it has a pretty it has a good ball rolling with it. Now, regardless yeah. if they actually attract the customers that they need, um, that is yet to be seen because it is so new. Yeah. So here's a detrimental comparison with HBO Max. Neither of them were available on on Roku on day one. Yes. And Roku is, is actually one issue. of the best in terms of having an all-around streaming platform. Yeah. So it's a sticky plug-in. You can put all your streaming apps on there. You can listen to Pandora on there. You can listen to like your music apps on there. You can put your streaming apps, you're watching, you connect it to your TV and you're done. It's a one-time payment. There's a Roku channel with free TV shows on there. Like it's a very well thought out thing. It's becoming a much bigger thing because of streaming. It's a mutual thing of, oh, we're a hub for streaming. So they get pushed up because more streaming services are out there and they have more subscribers. So you need a Roku if you want to watch these streaming services on your TV if you don't want to just plug in your laptop. It's a more streamlined interface and it's, it's a huge benefit. So that's why it's important to get on there. And there's been a lot of problems recently with companies not getting their apps onto Roku at launch. That's probably because Roku is now, they had a really, there was one quarter, I think it was two quarters ago, where all the streaming services were having a major problem and they all were pretty much tanking. But Roku was just killing it. I think it was actually might've been last summer, but Roku is killing it. And so if we look at Roku and that type of now is streaming hardware, we see Amazon Fire TV, which Amazon Prime Music or Video, I'm sorry, is another competitor in that streaming industry. We did not necessarily spend time on them because they kind of have their niche market. It's not something that you would necessarily go buy. It's something that you have included with your Prime. Yeah, it's, it's part of the deal. So Prime, Prime is an idea and what it expanded to was amazing. That's, it's a really, fantastic subscription. You get shipping, two-day shipping, free shipping, uh, in many cases, for things that are prime packages. I mean, some packages, you might want to buy some weird book from like 70 years ago that no one has. <laughs> I've had to go on like a third-party seller to get it cheaper. But generally speaking, you get a free shipping. You get the video as part of that, and you get music, at least the, the one-up level of music. You don't get, they have a music unlimited, which you have to pay more for, which is the equivalent of Spotify premium. So it's like an in-betweener. Like Pandora has two levels too. So it's like the middle level of some additional music than just free, but not all the music in the world. Yeah. But which that's we, all included with one subscription. Yeah. yeah. That, Spotify did that same tier as well, which again, we're seeing the same payment platforms becoming, you know, across all type for this this type of a, of an industry where it's streaming we're seeing that those three are kind of having the most success we look at prime prime video prime music and also they have twitch those might not be necessarily extremely successful on their outright but they are the most successful in terms of a bundle of an ecosystem 
you know, think about it. If you go on and, and you had to pay for prime video, you might not watch it. But if you get a prime service, you get prime video. Now, if you go on to Netflix, you're like, oh, they don't have that movie. And you go on to Amazon prime and you can get that movie. That's how they get you. So it's weird that mm. this, this splitting up of content is it's a very selfish act. The, the consumer does not win. We do not win in this situation because in order to have access to movies, for example, Ford versus Ferrari, Ford versus Ferrari is access accessible on HBO max. I'm actually just watching it. It's not accessible on Netflix. It's not accessible on any other streaming service to my knowledge. If I'm wrong, please let me know. You probably have to rent, right? You probably have to rent from cable or something. If you have a rental yeah. service. So like Apple, Apple will has every movie out there, except if it's a original from Netflix or Amazon or some other original streaming service. Yeah, like well, everyone Peacock. has originals now. So like Peacock has originals, HBO Max has got originals. So yeah, we're Speaking gonna get of, to that. Sorry, go ahead. I was, yeah, just saying that like, at this point they're all, we're gonna have decentralized movies where you have to have five subscriptions to watch any movie you want. You're gonna have to like pick your favorite company to watch their movies. Exactly, and that's what Peacock, there, there's a, there was an old show called Psych. And Psych was basically about this guy who was a detective. And he had a friend and they would pretty much solve these crimes. And really what he was, was he would just notice things that other people would notice, but he would basically play it off of his, as if he was a psychic. And it was a really, I loved the show. I thought it was interesting. Some people might not, and that's okay. But I think it's definitely worth a try to watch. Psych 2 is now out. It is, it is a Peacock original. So in my opinion, I think that these original contents that Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, Peacock, HBO, they're all HBO is kind of the original one sticking to the exclusivity. But if we look at all these guys keeping their originals, that really, in my opinion, that is a push to get rid of the media companies. That is a push for Netflix for you to be like, okay, yeah, you might not be able to get SNL, but you can get, um, oh, what was that show? It was so big. It was about the kids. Stranger Things? Stranger Things, exactly. Like about the kids? I like I, I, how you just have to say, it's about the kids. And I'm like, Stranger Things. Yeah, it's like, oh, got it right away. <laughs> but yeah. that was a really, po I never watched it, but that was a really popular show. I know a lot of people enjoyed it. Um, yeah. And that's something that was, that, that's what they're trying to get to is that their content, they might not necessarily have cable. They're trying to go away with cable content altogether. Or maybe not altogether, but they're trying to make, in terms of their portfolio, they're trying to have a, a larger majority of originals. So that way, if, when, let's just say Netflix was only carrying NBC shows. And then NBC launches Peacock and they say, we're exclusive now. You can only access NBC on um, NBC Peacock, their own excuse me, native app. Then Netflix is really screwed and they did get screwed. That's why they launched the originals. That's why Hulu has originals. You know, that, yeah. that in my opinion is why these, cool. these contents are having such a, a large fan base is because they're putting like out the office quality will be content. Peacock exclusive next year it's still on netflix for now but like the that's the biggest show that netflix brings in they're gonna be fine without it they're not gonna like collapse i mean they might it's obviously they're gonna lose some viewers but yeah it's a big show it's a cult classic 15 year old i mean it ended less than 10 years ago it's recent it's crazy yeah. i know it's crazy that i just start when i was a kid like tweens early teens i watched like the last two seasons with my parents that's all i caught i caught like the ending of the show Really? Um, and I watched reruns with them. Yeah, they watched it. They watched it live on cable from its inception to the end for all nine seasons. So I watched a little bit when I was younger, and I only remember the last couple seasons watching with them. So I remember that. And I like two years ago, 
I watched the whole thing I got on Netflix. It and really, I was like, wow. It's it's one of those shows where you can just constantly rewatch. Or if you're bored, like I talked about with music, you're like, oh, I want to watch something, but I don't know what I want to watch. I wish they had a, su- a shuffle button on Netflix. I really do. But pretty much as, as close <laughs> as you cool. can, that would be really cool, right? Like, I don't know. That'd just really show cool. me something. Or you can pick a genre. Yeah. You're like, I want to Like, you watch. know what I like? Like, they already have this matches your, they already have like 95% match. Why not just be like, pick all of your 95% matches and then just show me an episode. And if I like it, I'll say, yes, give me more. Yeah, thumbs if up, I thumbs no, down. Yeah. Like, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be that hard. It really would not be that hard. I mean, they, it's what they're doing with music radio. You know, as we talked about before with the radio industry in terms of like music streaming, when you go on Pandora, you hit thumbs up or thumbs down. If you hit thumbs down, it goes into their algorithm that that type of song you're not as preferable to. It might not never show you it again. That was a double negative, sorry. But it might, ne- it, it might show you it again at, at, in the future, but it's going to show you less. And if you hit thumbs up, it, it corrects the algorithm. So you're basically getting a personalized algorithm. Netflix, you're right. They already have a huge algorithm in terms of here's what you like, here's what you don't like. So they, they know what I want to watch. Why can't I just hit shuffle? But that's kind of the whole idea of all this. So in my opinion, and, and Lewis, I think you agree, is that we are hitting the not market maturity in terms of music streaming. Or I'm sorry, movie and TV show streaming, content streaming. That market is not matured. And we're actually, the consumer is now getting screwed. We see that YouTube TV is now raising their price. And they, were, yeah. they probably have one it's- of the best overall... Um, they do content we were talking about how there's not a best overall in things but i'm like but that's for tv TV, streaming you know that they are the best for tv streaming at at the time i would say i would back that they probably overall have what you're looking for if you want a replacement for traditional cable but you want it to be very similar to traditional cable yes exactly. it's the best overall now now it's way more expensive than this competition which we, is a big problem. We started at 45, I think, and now it's at 65. Yeah, I think it was just, two years ago, it was 40. It was 40, 50, 65. This is, it, it's just, and Every that's not year their fault. They don't want to raise the price. I've read some articles about it. But again, it's the content that they're pulling from. It's, let's just use NBC yeah. as an example. NBC is charging them more. YouTube can't necessarily afford to just take that hit. So then they pass it on to the consumer. Then less consumers buy. So it's actually in the long run, it's going to hurt them. And in the long, in the long, long, long run, it's actually going to hurt the content providers because if they're getting additional income from YouTube to be accessing their content, if they keep up in the price, YouTube is going to say, no, I'm not going to buy this anymore. And then they don't just lose consumers. They don't lose a majority of YouTube's market. They are now losing all of YouTube TV. I'm not saying that yeah. would happen. And but, that is on, a but that's why everyone has the back pocket of their own service. CBS has been doing this for like six years. CBS All Access. Mm-hmm. They have their own originals. Not a lot of them, but they have a couple. Um, they promote those. They have news on there. They have a sports channel on there. They have local channel on there. So they have a small little niche like, oh, if you just want like CBS shows and like more family-friendly package, but also get your local news and get your sports in your area, you don't have to buy an antenna you can just get CBS channels for like six bucks a month with ads. So that's, but then they also dig into the YouTube. They pay, they get, they get bought by YouTube to be on their service. But what I'm afraid is going to happen is if it keeps going up in price and the YouTube or the Hulu with live TV and the Fubo TV, if they all go away, 
we're going to be exclusively stuck with five to ten dollars a month for NBC, five to ten dollars a month for CBS, five to ten dollars a month for XYZ. Like every individual network, AT and T, their live channels they own, like Warner Media, Warner Media package, ten bucks a month. Like everything's going to be so a la carte. Yeah. We're going to lose, even though none of these service providers are perfect. They all have such a great base. You can get your YouTube TV, add on the side a Netflix or an HBO, and you're done. Exactly. If, and we're going to get to – Yeah. So now you're going to be like, oh, I got to get my, like, three individual cable channels, plus I got to get my two uh, premium channels because now they've split, and I can't watch the HBO – um, AT&T stuff on Netflix anymore, so I have to get two. So I have to now have three small subscriptions for my live TV plus two tiny subscriptions for my premium stuff. And exactly. it's like, now you have 10 apps on your phone and, not, and you're like, I don't that's, want this. That's the point I was about <laughs> to get at. Who, who loses? It's the consumer. And this is not, let's forget about money. Let's forget about content. We talked about interface. That's where we lose as well. Because on cable, you could just flip. If you didn't want to watch NBC, you hit channel up and you're on ABC or whatever, whatever channel, you know, you could just go right up. Now, if I'm watching NBC sports and that game is done and now I want to watch something, a football game on CBS, I don't have to leave the app, go in, find it, sign in, and then hit play. It is like 15 extra steps just to switch a quote unquote channel. Yeah. It's not as easy as it used to. Even Apple TV, which you've talked about liking a lot. And I like what they do. It's a minor. It's, it's yeah. a, it's, it's an additional, it's not, that will never, like they did not put it in yet. Apple has the potential to make that the best streaming service out there that you can now add on HBO. You can add on stars, you can add on, but again, you're paying 10, 15, $20 an yeah. additional. Yeah. So you're only paying that five and bucks. If Apple ever has like Apple news television, that would be big for them. If they have free Apple news huge. television with a subscription to Apple TV plus, and you could sub, you could sync your app, but then the syncing the app thing is only ever going to work if you can just go into the Apple app and not jump around to other apps. Because right now, if I if I go into Apple, I don't even do this because I'm annoyed by it. I just go in the main app, go into Apple. I want to watch the next episode of like Solar Opposites on Hulu. Great show. Yep. Great show. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty creators did a good job. They really um, did. But yeah, it takes you to Hulu and then it starts the episode. I'm like, okay, I should have just clicked on Hulu. Exactly. <laughs> like they, they have the right idea in terms of bringing everything together, but it's just the, the UX, the user, the UI, the user interface is just not there yet. I would say we are five, five years away from actual quality content and quality interface to be able to watch, do you know, interact as you please, that's actually preferable. I don't know what kind of market studies people at Hulu, NBC, Apple, any media company are doing. Listen to me though. Do that. Get your interface (laughs) on par. Okay. You get that on par. You get your content. If you can add that freemium structure where you still have paid, dude, you, the sky is the limit. That's where Quibi missed out. Quibi had that free trial. It was great. But then you had to pay after four months the content yeah. wasn't winning me over. It's not if they kept worth the freemium, being paid for. Yeah, if they kept the freemium, I would have kept it. Absolutely. I canceled that yeah. a month before my before my uh, my trial was even over. Yeah. I still had it for that four months, but I was like, I decided in month three, 
I'm done with this. I don't watch it nearly enough anymore. I watched the most dangerous no. game and I was like, this is great. I watched NBC news every once in a while. And, and you like, can get NBC great. news on Peacock now. Exactly. And it's almost they, the exact same thing. Their, their <laughs> whole market category has just died. And until people can actually go back to work and they're commuting or whatever, it's just not, even then by that point, these other companies will just steal that structure because they're not going to, they don't have that brand loyalty yet. They're so new and they didn't put out the content to attract the loyalty. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's the exact issue they faced. Yeah. So we'll see if Peacock can not do that. I feel good about them. I do too. I don't think it'll be my main service though. Like I, it, cause no. it's free. I'll keep it. But I think that I'll still be watching shows on Netflix or Hulu or whatever. I was just pleasantly surprised to get, and I like CBS for this purpose. I was like, they've had their model for a long time and it's not fantastic, but it has your local news and it, and, and it actually does have like your actual channel. So it's different than NBC Peacock freemium where you just get catered channels for a free model. You can pay to have the actual NBC MSNBC channels for the mm -hmm. $5 a month. Um, but the free one, you just get like a catered free version with headlines, which is still good and you still get news, but it's not just cable and that. But yeah, I think those two are going to learn off each other. And even NBC has a couple CBS shows on there because they bought them, they rent them from them or however the, the agreement was, but that goes back and forth a lot. Those two borrow from each other's shows pretty often. Mm -hmm. um, so, but I think that's the future. And I'm worried about the future of like Hulu Live and YouTube TV and like I said, Fubu and those other competitors that are sling that sling idea. That. I'm concerned for their future. I do have Hulu Live TV and I would say the biggest pull for that is that you get to access live TV and Hulu content for a cheaper price than YouTube TV. But now with that, um, I think that's kind of our main takeaways is that Peacock is off to a great start. We'd love to see what kind of content they do. We love the freemium structure. We love mm -hmm. kind of how they're going through with it. Um, Lewis, you said that it was a study, right? Oh, yes. So I did have a little Yahoo Finance study that talked about consumer preference, uh, and they cited a survey by the trade desk. So in the study, there is the options of um, – would you rather watch free with ads, pay for no ads, or indifferent? And it was a slight preference among millennials for free with ads. So the freemium, according to this study, and again, it's, it's not set in stone, but additionally in the study, they found that two and three millennials would increase ads to cut monthly streaming costs. And in an era where you have so many streaming services, it's beneficial to have that freemium because you're going to get more subscribers. Yeah, you're not charging them for it, but you get the ad revenue, you get the, the brand loyalty, like Jordan said, and that's the important thing. And it was a slight 35 to 31% preference of ads to no ads. And they got and a the longer term. Different. Like they, in, the, in the year, they might not make the money on the freemium, but they're getting yeah. that convert. It's basically like you're putting it in your cart. You're like, maybe I want this. And you're trying it out and you get to try it out for however long you want, but they're still making money off the ads. But then basically the conversion, which would be you checking out, which would be you paying for no ads or whatever other service. NBC could then have another tier where it's you pay for live like Hulu or some other service. I'm not saying that's not my point. But so basically with that conversion, they might not see the short term major profits. But then in the longer term, they're getting that loyalty. They're getting the people to upgrade. That upgrade mm -hmm. makes them money. The ads make them yeah. money. They're making money now on two purposes, but in a longer term play. 
Yeah, I was gonna say that having an option to pay, to pay, <laughs> to pay, <laughs> an option to not pay to just pay. yeah, um, <laughs> and the free is flexible, and I like that. I always like that idea. I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna like Peacock, but I like the idea. Especially when there's like a million year. streaming services, how are you gonna yeah. know if you like it? It's like, well, I could get rid of some if I can get some satisfaction from this free service. I don't need to have news from somewhere else because I can just get this. Exactly. You know, it, if you, it's all about the utility you get. Going back to economic theory, if you get util, if you get more utility from what you pay for, it's worth your time. Absolutely. So, and I think most people are when they when a new service is added, they're not necessarily just adding it. I would say they might in the short term, but long term, whatever they add, they're probably subtracting. People can only afford what they can afford. You know, they're probably if they're adding NBC Peacock paid version, they're probably subtracting a different streaming service because their time is being more spent on one. And vice versa. If they're not if they're not using Peacock as much, then it's not worth their time to keep paying for or go to the freemium structure. Yeah. And if they're using the that freemium part about structure, it. sorry, yeah, I was gonna say, I was gonna say that the best part about it is the low cost to entry and to leave, because yes. you can just go like I'm canceled and it's done. Yeah, I just want to throw that in there that the barrier to leave and enter as a consumer is so low. You're able to just go like, I mean, I do this. I'm guilty of this. I'm like, I'm going to try this. All right. I'm going to like it. Bye. What's this? I don't like it. See ya. Like exactly. you can do that. And it doesn't like, yeah, if you, you have the free trials and maybe you pay for an extra month because you thought you liked it, you can still cancel your contract and be like, I'm done. Which We're is good. the best. Like, and which there's is no the best harm, no foul. That's the best part of the streaming. Mm-hmm. Same with music. You're saying you want to get rid of title and go back to Apple Music. You could cancel and go. It's a little harder because then you lose some of your music that you've added. But if you could have a, yeah. a library conversion or whatever. But honestly, that's yeah. not in the grand scheme of it all. You would rather spend the time to convert your library than to pay for a service that you don't like. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And they so make kinda, it easy. That's the best thing. That's the best thing about it. It's easy. It's easy. Exactly. And that is kind of our takeaway with Peacock. Um, after the break, we are going to be coming back for some really cool stories. Lewis has some interesting uh, recent news, and I would like to talk about the Ford Broncos, so stick around. Welcome back to Business Blues and Booze. I would like to start this segment by talking about masks. Very briefly, first of all, I hope you're all doing well. Um, we're not out of this yet, but we'd like to be able to continue to operate in our economy, but make sure everyone's safe. Um, and those are, those are two goals that are hard to corroborate together. Um, and it's been kind of politicized, but I think it's very important that we recognize science. Um, and there's an article today by the Wall Street Journal talking about masks uh, really do matter. There's so much scientific evidence is growing. And there's a study today about how masks, the difference between not wearing one and wearing one that's like stitched cotton. Um, The whole spectrum talking about a bandana, talking about a handkerchief, talking about the cone mask you see that are like, it's not the N95, it's like the little baby ripoff version of an N95. (laughs) It's kind of just like a little, just only really covers your mouth and your nose, like the bare minimal. so it says that uh, the average distance traveled in inches for not covering your face is almost 100 inches. That's like a couple people long. That's like one more than 99 inches. <laughs> yeah. 
That's wow. <laughs> it actually it is right around ninety nine inches, um, but that's that's more than six feet. So if you talk and I'm six feet away from you and you don't have a mask on, me wearing a mask doesn't protect me. You wearing a mask protects both of us. Wearing a mask is protecting others. It protects you a little bit, but it protects you by protecting others. Because if everyone wears a mask, the amount of general droplets in the air that are spread is way decreased. Take a bandana. It's cut down to like 40 inches, which is less than six feet. But if you do a fold of handkerchief, like the bandana I'm just talking about is like the one you just wrap around your face. It's not tightly there. People just wear it if they're like a biker or if they want to be cool and they don't actually want to wear a mask. And they're like, I'll accept this as a fashion statement, but I'm not wearing a mask. That's those people that wear like the bandana. I cannot wait for Versace's mask to drop. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I can't wait for them to be like $500 masks or like 500 ripples. (laughs) (laughs) Ripples. (laughs) A thousand and a half. Brepples. Brepples. <laughs> a little Rick and Morty reference for you. Yeah, for those of you that aren't horrible nerds like us, that's a, that's a good reference. Um, but then you get your folded handkerchief, which is, that's one of the ones that I do. Um, like you fold a style and you put the two of our bands around, you wrap it around. And it, it has, it's not just a flat surface, it's the folded thing. And you keep it tight to your face. It has to be tight to your face. That's part of the whole thing. That gets it down to like 12 inches, which is a foot. It gets it. It keeps it, the particles don't go farther than a foot in front of your face, which is fantastic. That's perfect. The, the cone thing that's kind of weird looking, that's like the special mask, that gets it down to just a couple inches. And a stitch mask from cotton, according to this study, it's like two inches. It doesn't go anywhere. So the higher quality of a mask, not just putting something in front of your face, putting something that's filtered, a filtered thing, a cone thing that keeps it in your face, the more that way it goes. And you can get those kind of folded cotton masks. I got one for 10 bucks. I have like a little fish one. I got it on the beach. It's washable and it's two-sided and it's folded. The whole point is that it's folded and quilted so it stops the particles that way. You can still breathe. I can breathe fine in this. I understand if there's like issues with that, but there are several types of masks. That's what the study is all about. There's different ways you can wear this, and several of them, the handkerchief, the comb mask, and the stitch mask from cotton, all keep it within a safe distance of COVID. So you have options. Just when you, people are like, oh, I don't, I don't want to wear a mask because I get, I get acne on my face. There's a study actually in the local news yesterday, KDK News in, in Pittsburgh, that was talking about, oh, like, we got acne. What do we do? And then the anchor was like, so the, the scientist said, you should put acne medication on and wash your face and wash the mask. <laughs> it's like, well, doy, like that's that's what you do anyway. You're supposed to wash your face every but day. But a scientist said it. I know. So that means people won't listen. <laughs> they won't. <laughs> because it was because the science is like, ah, that's the government. But anyway, the, the main point here is the government. Please wear a mask. Yeah, the government. Like, regardless. There is scientific backing. It's not just like it's one source. This is an across-the-board, nonpartisan studies on all sides, recognizing that masks do something. And this one specifically saying it keeps it less than the six feet distance. You can talk to people safely 
from a couple feet away if you wear a higher quality mask. But that's that's the thing too. It's a two part thing. I'm sorry to jump in, Lois, but you got to wear oh, the mask fine. to protect you for a closer distance. But you also have to make sure you're not talking at the same distance pre-COVID. You have to make sure that you are a considerable yeah, amount of way, six feet, just to be safe. And if you like, I will hang out with a couple select people that are outside of my direct household. We all make an, a commitment to be safe in general. If you want to see someone in person without wearing a mask that you, that you know, well, that's fine, but keep your circle as small as possible. And if you make it bigger, you have to wear a mask when you're with those people that aren't part of your regular circle. That's you how also you have to make sure that circle is controlled, that you're not hanging out with that small circle, but then that small circle is then hanging out with another small circle. Yeah. And that small that's circle the thing is you then, all commit, you all commit to being safe with others if you want to be less safe with each other it's like having a family like you have to commit that okay we're only going to see each other or whatever and if you're not then you have to you have you can still see them hypothetically but you have to be at, at outside in a spread out setting making sure that you're practicing better hygiene washing your hands i saw this this video and someone put paint they wore gloves and they put paint on their hands to show how people normally wash their hands and to show all the spots that you miss and obviously because it's paint you can see the spots so most people wash their hands and they just, you know, scrub their palms and their fingers. What are you missing? You're missing the back of your hands. And they look at it. You're actually missing the center of your palm. You're missing the bottom of your wrist. So they kind of went through all the places that are typically missed, like the back of your thumb, places that are yeah. touched. Like if, you, if you're touching anything, it, it is probable that some part of your hand is touching an exposed surface. So you have to make sure that you are washing all parts of your hand. You also need to make sure you're using hand sanitizer. You need to make sure that you are wearing masks, social distancing. And that is all so that, it, again, it's not for yourself. It's for other people. And yeah, and that's what we drive home. Yeah, is that, sorry to interrupt, but just to, to reiterate that us as a society has to watch out for each other because we're all we have. I mean, if you aren't being safe for others, you're spreading the virus, not doing the bare minimum of what needs to be done, this is not going to go away. And I think it's a good lesson for America to, to be safer with, with each other, to understand, to put each other in each other's shoes. This is a really good opportunity. And I think we haven't done that yet, but I don't think it's impossible to do. And the more that it's talked about, you have to dislike, the more that we do this, the more it becomes normal. Eventually, it's going to be accepted. And you have to just keep spreading the message to do it. Um, I know there's like things like other countries aren't wearing them. That's because they're small. And New Zealand's already been down to zero cases a day since May because they contained it very early, which we did not, very early. I mean, like before day one of it being a big jump, they were already on top of it. They were already locked down. And they already have soccer games again. Now they have mm -hmm. a couple cases, but their deaths have been zero for months. I mean – they they have fixed their problem and that's a very small country understood not a huge population density but we have new york city okay we have los yeah. angeles we have chicago we need to be safe and yes the places in the south don't have these cities in the center of the country you don't have that we didn't have it for a long time but now that we're relaxing things and masking was kind of like in question Numbers went up, and they're not New York numbers. New York has eight plus million people in a city. It's the biggest city, but it has the most people. So 
you have to understand that that was just horrible. And that's how the entire country of Italy was, was New York City, because it's small and compact. New York is small and compact. So wearing a mask, even though if your town's small, you have to wear it in your own house, you have to wear it outside of your house. But if you go see someone, wear it. Go to a business, wear it. And the science is there to prove that it stops the spread. And also when you get home, again, I'm going to hammer this at home as well, is that people think that, oh, I'm home, I'm safe now. And that's true, but if you're only practicing safe practice within your home, that means when you get home from an outside source, wash your hands, disinfect yeah. surfaces that you touch a lot, like your phone, your car keys, anything that might've come in contact. I mean, if you really want to go the full mile, you can even try and disinfect, you know, things that come into your house. That might not necessarily be a requirement, but if you're really scared or you're someone who lives with someone with asthma or diabetes or some other form, some other autoimmune disease, then it, you have to go that extra mile and it's not necessarily for yourself, but it's for the people, it's for their families because one person has the potential to spread it to 50 plus people if they're not being careful. And that doesn't necessarily mean that just because you're 20 years old and you won't die. It means that you could spread it to another person who's 20 years old. That person could then spread it to someone who is elder, someone who has another disease who might not have the ability that you have. This is only going to work if everybody works together. Hmm. And I think that's the point that Lewis is hammering home is that it's not just for you. It's for the other people. And to have that selfish thought of we don't have to do it because we're not high risk, that is the reason that people might die. It's not a, yeah. a, a it's not a one have died, and and have Already. died, hundred and forty thousand deaths now, which is that's that's too many people. I mean, you hear a one percent death rate, and I saw some articles about it, and people are saying, oh, that's so low. You know, America is over three hundred million people. You know, three or one percent of that is around three million people. That's a, yeah. that's a large majority. We, uh, Lewis, you said that New York is around 8 million. That's, you know, almost half of New York is now dead at that 1% well, no, death it, rate. Oh, yeah. If it, if it like, if we get to 1% and everyone gets it. Yes. Yeah. That in, in just so that 8 million, if, we, if only New York had deaths, then it would be around 3 million people in New York would have died. And those are unnecessary deaths. Those are deaths that might not have been prevented or stopped, but they could have definitely been helped that it wouldn't have spread to the way that it did. Now, obviously in the beginning, we had some leeway because we didn't know what we know now, but articles like this where people are putting the time in to study them, you have to listen to them. Even if you don't necessarily agree, forget about politics, forget about everything else. You're not, you don't have to do it for any policy. It's not about your right. It's not about anything like that. It's you're doing it because this has a chance of killing someone, of someone who loves a loved one has the potential yeah. to kill a loved one for another person. And I will say with, with, uh, with our rights as citizens, we have a protection for the life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. And I understand people's thoughts of liberty and you know what? Oh, I don't want people telling me what to do, but you won't have rights if you're dead. And life is the first right you have. So if people are dead, they can't enjoy their liberty. This is a protection for you. It is for everyone else, but it's also for you to wear a mask. Wear a mask for yourself, honestly. If that, whatever has to get at home, because it does help you. It helps you to be part of the society that's preventing this, and it protects people's lives. So it's worth your time to do. Not too difficult. And if you have an issue with breathing, look at different options for masks because they're out there. Thank you, Lewis.
very, very hard hitting, you know, but definitely very important. And I hope that somebody needed to hear that. Someone who needed to hear that did hear that. And it's maybe taken a message away from it. And now Ooh, on to- That's what we're all about here. <laughs> now we're going to yeah. forget about things with two legs and we're going to move on to things with four wheels. So yeah. <laughs> really short, there is a new announcement for the 2020 Ford Bronco or 2021, I'm sorry. So this Ford Bronco was originally re released, I believe in 2017, there was the idea. Now there was just mm -hmm. some mock-ups of the grill and it was just a really yeah. cool, it had two lights, two circle headlights, very similar to Jeep and other round headlight um, vehicles. And on the middle of it, it has the logo or has the lettering of the Bronco. Now, this is very similar. They didn't do much of a change to the actual, I guess, silhouette of the Bronco. But mm -hmm. when you get down to the nitty gritty, this thing is just a mean machine. And I am a diehard <laughs> Jeep lover and I'm looking at this going, I want to drive one of those. I'm not saying I would move away from Jeep, but it, I, it would definitely be a good contender. They took basically yeah. the entire Jeep fan base, looked at what they wanted, looked at what they needed. Then they took the Bronco fan base, see what they wanted and needed. And they just smushed the two together and they made a two door and a four door Bronco. Back in the day, there was only a two door. So if you had to get in the back, you had to climb into the front seat, much like a two-door Jeep, if you're familiar with Jeeps. It is an SUV, so it does have that appeal of an SUV, and you can also take the top off like a Jeep. So you have an SUV that's a convertible. Now that's amazing. One of the best features of a Jeep is that you can take the doors off. You have that freedom at that marketing just hammers into everybody who's looking at a Jeep. If you mention the word Jeep, you're gonna get an ad and it's gonna say freedom. <laughs> it's just, that's what it's gonna do. And, um, and with that, you can take the doors off. The Bronco took that idea, and now you can take the doors off the Bronco. Now, here's a great thing in terms of user behavior. On Jeep Wrangler, when you take the doors off, you have to store them within your garage or a safe setting. The paint can scrape if you actually leave them on concrete or whatever, so you have to be very careful as to where you put them. The Ford Bronco has the appeal of you could drive and it's rainy, and then all of a sudden you're on a country road and it's sunny, and you're like, wow, I want to take the doors and the top off. They made it that easy that you can take the doors off, and they fit in the trunk of the car. You can take the top off within, I don't know the time, I would bet around 15 minutes, you can have this closed encompassed SUV into a doors off, top off, you know, wind blowing through your hair, feeling the temperature, feeling the wind as you're driving, which if you haven't done that, it is a great experience to do. Ford took that and they really just put the brand into this Bronco. They're hammering it home. They have great, and honestly, it's such a good built vehicle that we've seen so far that they don't, their marketing is kind of done for them just by showing off the vehicle. They don't have to instill to you, you should buy this. They're saying, this is what it does. If you want it, come buy it. Now I'm not saying this is going to be an absolute market share killer, but I can't wait to see what comes out in the next iteration because this is an absolutely, this, this revival of the brand is amazing. If we look at the price points, they're almost exactly the same. The 2020 Jeep Wrangler Sport is, is, and again, that's just from MSRP, is 29,790 as a base price, obviously give or take a few, depending on location, destination charges, taxes, so give or take, but it's in that general under 30,000 price range. Now, the Bronco also offers that four-door model, which you'll find about a 35,000. Again, I'm rounding up a little bit, but you'll find around a $35,000 plus destination charges, um, which is technically is a little bit more expensive than the Wrangler. But also on the Wrangler, that's pretty much a bare, bare bones, not many features in it. The Bronco comes with a lot of features pre-built. Off-roading wise, they're pretty much neck and neck. 
And the Bronco did a really good job in coming out with different trims. And trims basically just mean different model types. So for the Jeep Wrangler, there's three different trims. For not the truck, just the Wrangler, is you can have the Sport, the Sahara, the Rubicon. Now there are other, other special editions like the Moab edition, which basically runs off of the Rubicon track and is, is influenced by Moab out in Utah. The Broncos trims that they're gonna be coming out with, they're gonna be coming out with the base model. So the base model is, is pretty standard. It has a 2.7 liter V6, 270 horsepower. It's, it's a pretty, it comes with all the tech, you know, uh, CarPlay has an eight inch touchscreen. Um, it has really good tires. Then you have the Big Ben, which is then, you know, kind of going to be more of the, uh, the fancier version, which has LED, they have carbon gray accents, um, dual zone climate, uh, 360 co-pilot, ambient lighting, remote start, you know, some of the things you would kind of expect out of a more modern, if you want some of those techie things, those are going to be for around 35,000 for the two-door model. And then you get to the Black Diamond edition. There's one more edition after, but the Black Diamond edition starts at around 38,000. It has 17 inch wheels. Um, it has rock rails. This is, they're more pushing that for more of the Sahara Rubicon trim as a competitor that it can go off-roading. It has a lot of comfort in off-roading. Then you get to the Outer Banks edition. Now the Outer Banks is, is uh, the second to highest tier. It starts at around 40 to 42,000. Um, and this is also, it would definitely be marked up when you go to the dealership, but it has a really, it has 18 inch wheels. They're kind of more pu putting that higher tech package, higher comfort, really good off-roading. Then there's, there's so many, there's the wild track, which again is just putting in a, a more upgraded, uh, four by four system. So it's kind of, it, that's around 51,000. So it's, it's they're basically really pushing in uh again that 2.7 liter v6 but it's really having a more of a comfort in terms of off-roading some of the tech in the off-roading meets and that it's easier to hit a button and the car automatically adjusts for different type of off-roading modes then there's the badlands edition which is 40 around forty four thousand dollars which is honestly i don't see much of a difference between um different suspensions and it has a specific sway bar disconnect, which basically, if you're unfamiliar with that term in rock crawling, it basically just makes it easier for your wheelbase to kind of reach, reach the rocks easier. And then, of course, in the last edition, which is sold out, is the first edition. That is for the absolute Bronco fanatics. You know, you, you love it. That is going to start around 61000 It's going to come fully, fully stocked up. It's going to have LED, um, LED headlights, heated seats, all the packages we pretty much mentioned before. There are also some specific, um, you know, like if you're familiar with Jeep and like the, the special editions that come out every, I think it's 15 years. So the most recent one was the 1975 edition. And that was pretty much when the Jeep, or I'm um, sorry, 1945 edition. That is pretty much when Jeep has another special edition come out. That is what the Bronco is starting to do by adding in special little, you know, badges and details and maybe a few extra upgrades that come included. So, you know, in some some of the, uh, the, the trims and stuff are really important to keep in mind. It also comes in automatic and manual transmission, which is what you would expect out of a rock hauler. Automatic is great. And that is actually where the Jeep Wrangler takes the lead. But in terms of manual, manual is better because you can manage your torque better when you're off-roading. So if you need more power, you have access to more power. And in automatic, if, you're, if you don't have that off-roading package, it doesn't automatically adjust that for you. 
So manuals, you have more physical control. If you need more torque to get over a rock or you're starting to slip or it's not as great conditions, you can manage the gears a little bit easier than on an automatic where it's making assumptions. So in terms of the automatic, the Jeep Wrangler takes it home by not that much, but in the manual, the Bronco is just, it's murdering the Jeep as of the pre-trials. And obviously it hasn't come to market yet. So there's not exactly many, um, not as many perks, I guess. So the Bronco is really taking it home for the manual for off-roading. It also has a lot of road comfort. They have a lot more trims offered than Jeep Wrangler. They have a lot of different price points. So in my opinion, I think that sounds more attractive. Um, I also think that the design is heavily influenced by Jeep. If you saw this thing on the road and you really didn't know that much about cars, you would say, that's a weird looking Jeep. And it really, it <laughs> yeah. looks like. It does look like a weird looking Jeep. It really does, especially with the doors and the top off. They have almost the exact same uh, steel frame cage that goes around to make sure that, that basically that cage is um, so in case you roll or something that you're protected. It has a lot of the, um, the side mirrors stay on. So that's a, another big win that when you take the doors off, you still have access to mirrors, which the, the Jeep Wrangler currently doesn't do. And that's obviously from the factory, not aftermarket. You know, I always reference Jeep as Legos and that you can pretty much build them however you want. There are so many aftermarket abilities that you can do. So with all of this, I would say that it is, I'm not saying one's better than the other, but I am definitely very interested in what the Bronco has done. I am so surprised and very impressed with the packages that they have brought out. Um, we'll see how they actually, you know, run if there's any long-term problems. There could always be engine problems. Ford isn't, you know, has had some history of that, of having engine problems with some of their, some of their trucks, some of their stuff. So we'll see how they kind of keep running with that. Um, we'll see how it handles longer term, if it's as reliable, if it holds its value as well as a Jeep Wrangler. But as of this current first look, I'm very impressed with it. And I think it's definitely something that is new and noteworthy for maybe future car buyers or Bronco enthusiasts. Yeah, it looks good. And it looks like a competitor into a kind of car market that I just assume always Jeep will win. So competition exactly. is always good. It's good for the consumer and happy to see that someone else is coming back into the fray to compete. I'm, I'm excited for this and I'm more excited to see how Jeep battles back. That's going to be, this mm -hmm. is going to be one of the most interesting battles we've seen because prior to this, we've had cars like the FJ Cruiser from Toyota and that kind of is more of the rugged look, but doesn't have the off-roading capabilities that some Jeeps have. So I can't wait to see how Jeep combats this new pretty much head to head competitor. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. Something to watch for. We'll watch for it. You should too. Um, thank you, Jordan. It was very insightful. Cool. Detail analysis. Very good. <laughs> Do you have a blues guy today, guy or gal, that you'd like to endorse? So I would, I would like to endorse, and this is a newer age, and it's not my typical recommendation of just straight blues from the 60s, 70s. It is actually a newer artist called Thundercat. Thundercat combines basically jazz music and like a bluesy feel to it with more of like a rappy, mystical hip hop R&B feel on top of it. And he's not very typical, but it is something that you just got to appreciate the musical creativity he brings to the table. I've listened. He's been featured with Kendrick Lamar. Yes. I, I like his stuff with him on To Fimpa Butterfly. He was featured on my album a couple of times. and. Mm -hmm. I enjoy I enjoy his bass playing and his music a lot. So his bass I, playing I is 
oh my god his bass playing is yeah. unreal i hear some riffs and i'm like what it sounds like he has eight hands playing at once <laughs> you're just like this guy's insane so that's my recommendation if you guys are unfamiliar his name is thundercat it's pretty much exactly as it sounds that's how you spell it um he just released a new album not too long ago definitely worth a check out definitely lewis and take today away. yeah for for abu's recommendation tequila you don't have a you don't have a blues recommendation? Oh, for blues? Yeah. No, nah, you know, I uh to be honest with you, I've just been listening to Hendrix again. Um I like Castles Made of Sand. I really like the Chili Peppers cover of Castles Made of Sand. I, I don't agree. know if we talked about that before. It's a very good it's a very good rendition. Um it's just very enjoyable, peaceful, and I think it's I think it's sung better. The remaster of the of their '91 outtake that didn't make it to the album, um, I think it was very good. So I would endorse that. But for booze, tequila, specifically in a margarita. Um, specifically in a margarita. Great, great summer drink. Hard to hard to say no to a margarita. Do it safely, but I'm just saying, hard to say no to the first one because it sounds good. I would agree with that. It is definitely a good. Good summer drink, you know, you get some of that icy mix in there if you don't have it on the rocks, if you has has a slushy. It's just great. It's great. Mm-hmm. So I'm Jordan. I'm Lewis. Thank you for tuning in. This is our special edition of Business Blues and Booze. Just a little streaming update for you, and we hope to see you next time. Absolutely. Have a great week, everybody. <laughs>